Hey, good morning and welcome to church, everybody. I'm so glad that you decided to join us today. Man, what a great day it is. Isn't God good? I'm so thankful for all the good things that God is doing in my life. And man, what a great spread the joy moment we heard this morning. It's amazing what God will do when we surrender our life to Him and we just say, God, whatever you want for my life, I want to do that. And you know, there's nothing like really being intentional about carrying the message of Jesus, carrying the grace of Jesus, and carrying the joy of Jesus and the gospel into the world. It's an amazing thing, and we will all avail ourselves to us uh, to that. We will literally spread the joy. We want to lift this city. We want to lift this community. We want people to be encouraged, to be inspired. But most importantly, what we want is we want them to know Jesus, to have a relationship with Jesus. And man, that spread the joy moment does exactly that. It leads right there. And so we're so thankful uh, for that today and thankful that everybody's jumping in to the spread the joy campaign. So we're going to continue our series today, a look at love. And this is the second installment of that. And today I'm going to talk to you around the subject, I can't help falling in love with you. I can't help falling in love with you. Let's read our text together and then we'll pray. All right, we have two texts today, if you'll read along with me. Uh, John chapter 3 verse 16 in the NIV says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then we read uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, which most theologians believe was also written by John the Apostle. And here's what it says, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We just ask you to minister to us. We ask you to bless us. We ask you to lead us and guide us. Lord, change our hearts. Mold our hearts. Help us to, to just be conformed into your image, Lord. We, we don't want to be just a religious person. We want to be a person who knows you well and who allows you to lead and guide our lives. And Lord, we just ask you today to totally immerse us in your love. Lord, we know the world has confused what love is. And, and there's all kinds of different philosophies about what love is and how to define love. But the truth is, we know how to define love. What you did for us gives us the, ex the full expression of what love really is. And so we thank you. We give you praise. We ask you to change us as we study your word this morning. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. So, you know, I, I think it's important for us to understand that, that love is a motivating force and we also have to understand that love is not always defined the way we see it defined in our world today and we're going to talk more about this throughout the series but today I want to talk about this idea of I can't help falling in love with you and so last week we talked about the that what love looks like in the person of God because God is love and so this week we're going to talk about you know last week we talked about his love for us this week we're going to talk about our love for him. You know, in our relationship with God, we're always responding to him. We love him, the Bible says, because he first loved us. We obey him out of our love for him. We live our lives for him because he gave his life for us. 
if we truly get an understanding of God's love for us, then we can't help but love him back. I think people who don't truly uh, understand God's love for them have a real problem understanding how to love him. The evidence of our love for God is our obedience to him and to his word. So however the definition of love that we have today uh, you know, whatever people want to call it, that's not real evidence of our love. What is the real evidence of our love is the way we respond. You know, uh, this, this week, uh, Valentine's Day, today is Valentine's Day, and this week uh, I, I ordered some flowers for Janae. You know, I didn't do that out of obligation. I didn't do that because that's what you're supposed to do on Valentine's Day. I didn't do it because my wife said, hey, I want some flowers this week. No, I just had a thought about her. I thought about Valentine's Day, and I thought, you know what? I want to bless her, and so I sent her some flowers, and I got her a card, and I shared my feelings with her. And the reason I did that was not because it was the thing to do or because it's the trend or because it was my duty as a husband. I did it for one reason. I love her. I love her. I love her. And when I, when I, when I do things for her, when I serve her, uh, that, that is not because it's a duty to do so. It's not because that's what husbands are supposed to do, even though those are good reasons. The reason I serve her in any capacity is because I love her. It is a response to my care for her, to my compassion towards her, to, to the idea that I am responsible to, to, to take care of her. And, and, and you know, she feels the same as, as I do towards me we don't just do things because because that's what you do we do things because we we love each other you know love is something that's better shown than it is told saying I love you is very important you know what I, I have a lot of people that I have counseled with over the years or talked to and it's amazing to me how many people in their adult years will say my parents never actually said I love you. I knew they loved me, they'll say. I knew, I knew they loved me. I knew they cared for me. I knew that I was important to them. But they never said it. And it, and it really, I wish they had said it. So I'm not saying it's not important to say I love you. Words are very important. Words affirm, words encourage. Words can be, you know, lessons to us. Words teach Words lift, words encourage, but words can also hurt. And the absence of certain words can also hurt. So I'm not saying it's not important to say the words, I love you. But love is something that's better shown than it is told. Even if I say the words, I love you, what's far more important is that your life aligns with the idea of that love. In other words, your actions show me that you love me more than your words say that you love me. Saying I love you is very important and don't assume that your spouse or kids or friends even know. Well, they know. I don't need to be mushy and I don't need to say that all the time and I don't, you know, I, you, know, I, we, you know, all of us guys and even some ladies are just, we're tough characters. We don't need to be mushy all the time. We, we you know, we got too, too much stuff to do. We don't want to sit around doing all that. But the truth is people don't know unless you tell them. And, and, and you love them, and you know you love them, but it is important to express it, but it's more important to show it. It does need to be said. However, saying it and doing it 
are the fulfillment of it. Because when you say it, but you don't do it, it makes your saying it a lie. And when you do it and don't say it, it's obviously something that's happening, but there's no, uh, there's no affirmation of it, no confirmation of it. But when you can say that you love someone and you can articulate and express that you love them and then your actions follow up and are in alignment with what you say, then the authenticity of that love comes through with shining colors. And people are so impacted and so affected. And you know, the, the, the idea of this love response is, is, is where that idea for that song comes. Elvis Presley used to sing, I can't help falling in love with you. I can't help falling in love with you. I can't help myself. There's this, there's this feeling of, I can't, when I met Janae, I'm telling you, I couldn't help myself. You, we, we, are, we are leading this, uh, Pastor Scotty and Shelly and myself and Janae are leading this group, uh, the small group about marriage. And so uh, we had a lot of fun the other night in our first, our first meeting, but you know, Janae was expressing some of the ways we met and some of the things that I did uh, when we first met, I met her as a sophomore in high school. I walked into the room. I saw her. She sat right behind me. And I'm going to tell you right now, woo, I was fired up. I was like, this girl, I was so excited about it. Now, this may sound crazy to you, and it was crazy to her. She didn't like me after this. She wouldn't even pay attention to me for an entire year. And, uh, but I just saw her, and I started singing Stevie Wonder to her. I took her hand, and I kissed her on the hand and I was singing Stevie Wonder to her and said what are you doing and I and she said I have a boyfriend I said yeah but he ain't me I mean come on y'all I was trying to get that girl because as soon as I saw her there was a connection I'm not saying that everybody has that experience that you fall in love at first sight and we didn't get together for two years after that but the truth is you know that's really what real love invokes at some point when someone really loves you, like they really love you, they don't just say they love you, but they really love you and they, their life, their actions, they communicate that love. There's, there's, there's this almost automatic response where you love them back. And I'm not just talking about romance here. I'm talking about just this, this respond in us as humans when someone loves us, they express that love to us. There's this response that comes out of us, even when we, we may not even know it or we may not even want it or may, maybe, maybe they're not even someone we necessarily like, but when someone shows love to you, there's something in you that appreciates that and wants to respond in kind. Uh, you know, that's really the relationship that we should have with God. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. In other words, the reason that we love him is because he loves us. Now think about that for a minute. We love him in response to his love for us. This love relationship that we have with our Father God through his Son Jesus by the power of his Holy Spirit did not originate with us. It did not start with us recognizing God and saying, God, I love you. It started with him loving us, giving, showing us an expression of his love, speaking his love to us, and then revealing his love around us. And our response to him should be that response of, I cannot help 
but fall in love with you. It really shocks me how some people have this skewed image of God, this skewed image of Jesus, and they, they think of him in a certain way or a certain light, and it's, it's utterly ridiculous when you think about it because when you really study who God is and you really study his word from beginning to end, it is an amazing picture. These are literally just love letters to people that he wants to be in relationship with him. And it's amazing to me how we can get the wrong idea about him simply because we don't fully understand or comprehend who he is or what he's capable of. But I can tell you this, when I really get an understanding of his love for me, when I truly get an understanding of how much he cares about me and what he's done to prove that to me and how he wants to be in fellowship with me and relationship with me, even though he's this God who created all things that exist, yet he loves me, he cares about me this minuscule person who's going to live a very short amount of time and my 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 beginning wasn't all that grandiose and my end won't be all that grandiose at least here on this earth but when I leave this body because I have a relationship with him and I go to heaven I'm telling you it's going to be all the difference in the world and I, I I'm just saying to you right now I can't help but be in love with God I cannot help but express my love for him with my words of worship and my words of declaration and my words in conversations because I love him. I love him, not because I'm such a great guy and so full of love, but I love him because he has loved me beyond what I can possibly imagine. He has loved me beyond my comprehension. He has, he has come to me and to you as humanity and he has served us even to the extent of going to the death at the cross to pay the penalty for our sins and then bursting through the tomb killing death and giving us freedom this is the God and those are the expressions of love that we serve and can I just tell you something I cannot help but love him I can't help but love him but but we have to ask the question do we really love him or do we just really feel great about him there was a lawyer that came to Jesus and you know they were really always trying to trip Jesus up. They wanted him to say something that would be so off the wall, so uncharacteristic of a rabbi, so different and so even insidious as far as they were concerned because they would consider it to be um, antithetical to their beliefs or their, their thoughts or their religious exercise. And so they were trying to trip him up so they could turn the people against him. And ultimately, that's exactly what they did. But it's amazing to me how Jesus was so able to turn things. It was like when they came to him and they asked him about John the Baptist or they asked him about who gave, him, who gave you the authority, Jesus, to talk about this. And he turned it over on them. Instead of answering them, he said, well, I'll answer you. But I'll only answer you if you answer this. Was John the Baptist of God or of man? And they, they got together and they began to talk and... They said, well, if we say he was just of man, then the people will turn on us because they definitely think John was a prophet. But if we say he is of God, then the people will turn on us because we were rejecting of John. And they said, well, we can't tell you whether he was of God or man. And Jesus said, well, and I'm not going to tell you where I got this authority. It, it, he was just so 
amazing and so wise and so articulate and he just did such amazing things and it's so powerful to serve a God like this but I want us to understand that when we say we're we we can't help but love him then then we have to understand what loving him looks like we have to understand that saying that I love him it it has to be more than this feeling of oh I feel great about God I care so much about God. I have these emotional feelings about God because truly when that's all it is, then there's really nothing to it because that's not really love. That's infatuation. I'm infatuated with God because he loves me so much because he cares for me so much. So he's amazing. You know, God is not a genie in a bottle. He's not here just to give you self-help. You know, Christianity is not a self-help program. Christianity is a transform transforming relationship with God and the reason your life changes and gets better is not because he's trying to help you be uh, all in all to yourself it's because he is developing you into the person that he created you to be to begin with that's how this relationship works and it only works if we receive the love that he's given us but then we respond to his love in kind by loving him back the way he loved us. By loving others the way that he loves us. Did you know the Bible even talks about in your relationship with your spouse? Husbands to wives, it says, you should love them as Christ loves his church. And then there's another part where he's talking about relationships in the church, one of the apostles, and he said, you should love your brothers and sisters of Christ Not just you should love them, but you should love them as Christ has loved you. Now, see, that's a different standard. I can say you should love your brothers and sisters in Christ, but to say you should love your brothers and sisters in Christ as Christ has loved you, there's only one way to define that. Lay your life down. What did the Bible say in 1 John 3, verse 16? It said, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us, and so we also ought to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. See, love is this servitude. Love is this, I'm not thinking of myself first. Love is this caring for others beyond caring for myself. Love is this thinking and considering other people. It's, it's making sure that we are carrying the grace of God, the power of God, the love of God, the joy of God into the lives of other people. That's what spreading the joy is all about, is that we're depositing in others what God has deposited in us. And God calls that love. So this lawyer came to him and said, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus, really, he just just quotes the Old Testament. He says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul mind and strength and he goes on to say that the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself if you really look at those two commandments that jesus gives and and at different times he says a new commandment i give you if you look at it what god does is he fulfills the law or at least the ten commandments through those two because if you love god those first five commandments are all about god and our relationship to god And those second five commandments are all about a relationship with others. So when he says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as you do yourself, then what what he does is he he says in that context, we're fulfilling all the law. Not going to harm your neighbor if you love him as you love yourself. 
You're not going to do evil to God or you're going to reject God or you're going to do things that would be antithetical to the, ple- to, to the pleasure of God or what God is pleased with if you love him. What does it look like to love God really? And he says, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all yourself. Now, I think the thing we have to do here is ask ourselves this question. What's the operative word here? It's not heart, soul, mind, strength. It's all, 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 all. What Jesus is saying here is he's saying, bring all of yourself to God and give it to his service. That's what love looks like. It's this word, this word that we don't use a lot. This word that we don't talk about a lot in spiritual circles anymore. This word that almost seems like it's not a part of our Christianity anymore. It's a very simple word. It's a very true word. And it is the key to this this relationship reconciliation with God that causes our life to become everything that we want it to become. And it takes willingness and it takes grace and it takes submission and it takes love. It's just a very simple word. Obedience obedience that's what love looks like loving jesus looks like obedience to his word loving god looks like obeying his holy spirit when he prompts you you know we heard in that spread the joy moment where todd said he was talking to that man and he just he just said i just felt led by the holy spirit the holy spirit in other words was impressing something on his heart he was saying you need to ask him you need to go a little deeper he's not okay you need to check in here and see and he obeyed god in that moment and look at the great things that have happened and are happening as a result of that this this word obedience you know god would a whole lot rather us just obey him than than to act and pretend like we're these big time religious people or act and pretend like everything's fine in our life because we're Christian. No, he would rather just have us simply obey him when he asks us, when his word says, this is the direction I want your life to go. We just simply obey. When his Holy Spirit prompts us to talk to this person or love on that person or spend a little extra time with our kids, we just obey. He would just rather uh, have obeyed. Even the Bible says in Old Testament, there was a point where God said to them, I would rather you obey me than give me sacrifice. Because the truth is, our sacrifice, our religious exercise, our activities spiritually mean nothing in the context of our relationship with God unless they are tied and connected to obeying His word and obeying Him. Amen? Come on, somebody. This is good stuff. This is ministering to me as I teach it today. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, in the New International Version, it says this, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. You see, he, I love the fact that he puts mind in there because he's adding this context of our mental capacities because we are surrendering that to God. We are changing our mind. That's literally what the word repentance means. It's the word metanoia in the Greek, and it simply means to change your mind, change your thinking, go in the opposite direction. And, 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 and literally, that's what needs to happen. When we love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind and our strength. Listen, we are, we are saying, I submit my full faculties to you, my 
total and complete capacities to you. I surrender them to you. I submit them to you because I can't help but love you. You've loved me so much, God. You've cared so much for me. You have gone to the nth degree to show your love and to show your compassion and to show your grace for me by creating me to begin with, by redeeming me to save me, and by giving me purpose so that my life can make a difference and have meaning in it and giving me eternal life. God, you have loved loved me beyond the pale. You have loved me. I feel your love. I know your love. I have experienced your love. Your love has changed me. And I cannot help but love you back in return. And that love is this 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 acknowledgement, Father, that if you can give your life for me, Jesus, I can live my life for you. Scripture says in John chapter 14, verse 15, and John chapter 14, verse 23 and 24 in the New International Version. The Bible says in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. I don't believe Jesus was just putting a condition on here. He was saying, hey, you prove your love to me. You go do what I said. Even though that is very true. People may not want to hear that or or say that because it seems harsh, but that is true. But what he's saying to us is, if you really do love me, the, the result of you loving me, the outgrowth of your love for me, the the outcomes of your love for me is obedience and submission to my word and to my will. The Bible goes on to say in that passage of scripture, verse 23 and 24, it says, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and will come to them and make a home with them. Listen to these intimate, intimate conversation, this intimate context of this scripture. He says, if you love me, if anyone loves me, they'll obey my, my teaching and my father will love them and will come to them and make a home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. And these words you hear are not my own, but they are the Father's words who sent me. Listen, it is a truth that the indicator of our love for God is not our words of love, but our actions of obedience. Man, I just want to be in that place. And you know, a lot of us, sometimes we struggle with this. Let's just be honest, we struggle with it. Come on. Because all of us have this, just a little bit of, you know, a little bit of rebellion in our hearts, a little bit of resistance in our hearts because our flesh, our carnal nature, our sinful nature just wants to rebel. I want to do things my way. You don't have to teach a kid this. A a child growing up from birth has this about them. All of us as adults have this about the biggest problems in marriages today, the biggest problems in relationships today, the biggest problems on the job today can be reduced down to this common denominator. I want my way. That's the facts. That's who we are. And sometimes this gets in such the way of our spiritual growth and spiritual development. And here's how we deal with it. We deal with it by loving Jesus. We deal with it by loving him. 
We deal with this by loving him, by obeying him. Because people who love him, this was his own words. This is not the words of someone else. This is not the words of a commentator. This is not the words of Pastor David. This is, these are not the words of some uh, you know, ideal, ideologue or some kind of philosopher. These are the words of Jesus himself. And he said, people who love me, keep my commandments. People who don't love me, don't keep my commandments, period. Our love is expressed in our obedience and submission to his will. And can I tell you today, that's not a bad thing. Sometimes we hear the word submission and we just resist it. and We just, we just rebel against it. Listen, it's not like we're submitting to some ideology. It's not like we're submitting to some rule. It's not like we're submitting to somebody who's not righteous or virtuous or praiseworthy. We're submitting to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're submitting to the lover of our soul. We're submitting to the person who knows us better than we know ourselves and who loves us more than we love ourselves. We're submitting to somebody who wants wants his best for us and knows what's best for us. So I'm not submitting my life to somebody who's going to do me wrong or trick me or treat me bad in some way. I'm submitting my life to my father who cares about me, my father who has shown his love for me in such elaborate ways that I cannot even comprehend nor explain them to you. But I can respond to him in kind by saying, God, I love you so much and all you've done for me, I respond by bringing myself to you and giving myself to you for your will and for your purpose. First John chapter 4, verse 19 through, 19 through 21 says, We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whew, John can get harsh and real quick. He just talks plain, y'all. I love, I love John. I love reading after him because he just talks plain. I like it plain. I don't know how you are, but I like direct. I don't like people to be mean or harsh, but I like direct. I don't want misunderstandings. I don't want a bunch of fluff. I don't need a bunch of muddied waters. I want clear and concise understanding of truth. And John is just very clear. He says, we love God because he first loved us. And whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is just lying. Because whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So, so, so listen to what he's saying. He's saying love is wrapped up in his command. Love is wrapped up in obeying him. And he says that if we really love him, then we'll love others. If we really love him, we'll love brothers and sisters in Christ. This is why this does such damage, ladies and gentlemen, when churches can't get along. This is why it does such damage when people in churches can't get along. Because we're saying to the world, we don't really love each other. We don't really serve each other. We don't really care about each other. Because we have a different label or a different title or a different whatever. And the truth is, God says, don't say you love me, but you don't do what I say by loving your brother and sister. So quickly to end, I want to give you three ways to love God. First, respond to him. You remember the story of the woman at the well. Jesus came to this well, sat down on the well. This woman was there. She was getting water at a different time than everybody else in the community because she had a reputation. And she didn't want to be around the public because obviously she was being talked about, criticized, and gossiped about. And 
in a lot of cases, people would say rightfully so because she had lived a life that was harsh and hard and difficult and messed up. She had had five husbands and she was living with the man she was currently with. She was a relational nightmare. She couldn't get it right. She had been misused, obviously abused, obviously manipulated. But here she was having been passed from one man to the next and she meets Jesus on the well. And Jesus starts this conversation with her and it's all awesome because Jesus doesn't let her slide on her sin. He calls it out very clearly. He doesn't condemn her. He's not mean to her about it, but he calls it out very clearly. Hey, this is what your life is like. But let me tell you something. You don't have to live like that is what Jesus says to her basically. I'm living water. You can drink of the life that I can give you. You don't even need this water anymore. He was saying, look, there's a, there's a physical life. There's a spiritual life. I can give you the spiritual life that'll even change your physical life. And she he has this conversation with her. And what happens? She immediately responds to him when she realizes who he is and what he knows and what he can do. And she runs into the town and she immediately, listen, this was a Samaritan woman who Jews wouldn't even talk to the Samaritans because they had, uh, you know, they were considered a mixed breed and, the, and they, they, they just, just did not get along and it wasn't something. So here's this Jewish rabbi talking to this Samaritan woman, which uh, wasn't just a Samaritan woman, which was bad enough in that culture but she was a woman of ill repute and so here he is talking to her caring about her sharing her life with her and ministering life to her her only response was to run back into the town isn't it interesting how you think for some reason because you have a past or you've had some problems or you've committed some sins that God can't use you isn't that interesting that in a moment's time this woman's life turned on a dime she got a revelation God helped her and she became the first evangelistic force in that uh, community of Samaria because she responded to Jesus' love. She responded to Jesus' love. We need to respond to him. We need to love him with so much love that we, we follow him, that we, we, we walk with him, we talk with him, we respond to him, we obey him, we do his will, we follow his word. I love this story of the little Indonesian maiden. And I love it because I think sometimes it brings into context our feelings and the way we do things. It says, this is an old Indonesian story of a young man who spied a beautiful maiden in the high road from Jakarta and followed her for a mile. Finally, she wheeled around and she demanded, why do you dog my footsteps? Because, he declared, you are the loveliest thing I have ever seen. In this little walk, I have fallen madly in love with you. It is love at first sight. Please be mine, he says to her. The girl smiled and said, but you have merely to look behind you to see my younger sister, who is 10 times more beautiful than I am. And he turned and found no one. He said, why do you mock me? She said, why do you lie to me? The young maiden replied, if you were so madly in love with me, why did you turn around? 
I think that is such a great story. And I think it is so indicative of sometimes our response to God. Think of the children of Israel who God delivered out of Egyptian bondage. And Moses goes up on the mountain for 40 days. They're impatient with Moses not coming back. They build a calf and start worshiping it. Sometimes we get to following God and we're trying to respond in obedience to him. Loving him because he first loved us. But we find ourselves looking for that next best thing. What's more beautiful? What's better? What would be fun for me? What could I do that would be better? How can I get something more, something else? And it's, a, it's just a problem with humanity that we need to stop and say, that's not love, that's infatuation. And it's not about loving someone. When we get into this position, we realize that the object of our love is us. Not him, us. Why did you turn around? I might ask you that question today and I might ask myself that question. There have been times in my life, why did you turn around? There's not something better for you over here. There's not something better for you over here. There's not something better for you behind you. Follow God. Follow Jesus. No one else has loved you like Jesus. No one else has cared about us like Father God. No one else has ministered to us like the Holy Spirit. There is no one else. There are no other options. Why did you turn around? Love is that connection of obedience and submission and saying, God, I will do whatever you want to do and I express my love to you by my obedience to you. The second thing to do to show your love for God is exactly what we were talking about. Obey him. Obey him. Scripture says in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, but Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to, and to heed is better than the fat of rams because Saul the king got tired of waiting on Samuel to show up and he made sacrifice to God instead of just obeying God. You know, sometimes we'll go through religious exercises to make ourselves feel better instead of just doing what God's word says. Sometimes we'll go through religious exercises and play religious games to make ourselves feel better because we, we just won't follow and submit to what God wants for our lives because we want our way. But that's not love, and we need to learn what love is. Motivation matters. The heart of issues are the important issues. There was a time in, I was in Africa, and I met a, a gentleman, and uh, he was a great guy. He was from Tennessee, and, and I met him in, in Uganda. He was very humble, and he was working on a paint project. And as he, was, as he was working on this project, and as he was planning to come to Uganda and work on this project, the Lord, the Holy Spirit just spoke to him and said, hey, take some Bibles with you, and I'm going to use these Bibles. And God impressed him. He took the Bibles, and he wrote the plan of salvation in front of each of the Bibles. And one of the days he was working, he felt impressed to take those Bibles with him to the work site. And when he did, there was a teacher there that lived out in the community. And she said, hey, if you will, if you'll take those Bibles, if you'll give me those Bibles, I'll take them out. And I know some people who need them. And she came back the next day with this exclamation testimony for him and said, listen, I was handing that Bible out. I gave it to one gentleman out in my village. And he looked at that and he read the plan of salvation and he gave his life to Jesus. Just that one act of obedience, that, that small act of saying, all right, Holy Spirit, I'll take these Bibles changed a man's life for eternity changed a man's life 
for eternity, a man that he would never have associated with, a man that he would never have been neighbors with literally physically or geographically. He was from the other part of the world, but just because he obeyed God, there was a lady that went on a trip with us and, and the Lord had spoken to her, take this Bible. She went out and bought a brand new Bible and it was, it was a really nice Bible, brand new study Bible. And he said, I want you to wrap it up like a present. And so one day I came and I, I, we were doing some scouting in a certain area that we were going to do ministry and I met these two girls and these two girls were um, absolutely got, had gotten into the word, they had gotten into the, the purposes of God and they were trying to study the Bible but they were using a, a shared Bible between them that wasn't even their Bible, it belonged to someone else. And so when I met them and I was sharing the word with them and sharing God's gifts with them and, and just, just trying to lift them and encouraging them, I found this out and then I went into our team and I said, hey, does anybody here have a Bible that you feel like God would have you give to these girls? And she said, I've got it and she pulls this present out listen it was already wrapped like a present and she said God told me to wrap this up like a present because there was going to be somebody he was going to give it to on this trip man isn't that awesome think think about that God is thinking about other people and the things that they need in their life and he's encouraging other people to make sure those needs are met simply by leading them by his Holy Spirit and that happens because we obey him because we're not afraid we're not intimidated and we do that because we're motivated not by religious ideologies, not by showmanship, not by trying to get attention for ourselves, but just simply by being motivated to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that expresses itself in obedience. Number three, the third way we can love God is share Him with others so they will know His love and love Him back. There's a boy that we... Uh, when I was in youth ministry, long story short, tried to kill himself. He uh, went home one night after getting drunk. He was 18 years old. I was his youth pastor. I get a call at 3 a.m. in the middle of the night. Pastor David, Pastor David, meet us down at the emergency room. Craig has shot himself. He had gone into his home after getting drunk and feeling so horrible about himself, went into his bedroom where I don't know where he got the pistol but he got up under his mattress he got a pistol he walked back up standing in front of his family about midnight and they were all sitting there watching TV and he puts the gun to his head but he cannot pull the trigger I believe because we were praying for him but he wants to inflict pain upon himself and he reaches down he shoots himself in the leg rush him to the hospital I meet him there and then we find out what the true problem was he couldn't read his friends were graduating. They were moving on to the rest of their life. And he had been passed from grade to grade to grade. But he couldn't really read. He couldn't read. And this idea of him not being able to read took him to the levels of depression and discouragement and panic to where he literally got himself and the enemy, I believe, through his mind, got him into a place where he was just saying, no, you don't, you're not worth it. You're not worth living. You might as well just end it all. Nobody wants you. Let me tell you something about Craig. He has a family now. He's in church. He's about my age because when I was a youth pastor, I was just a couple of years older than him. And he's living his life for Jesus and his family lives their life for Jesus and he's got kids and grandkids and he didn't kill himself. And you know why? Because my wife, Janae, sat down with him and expressed the love of Jesus and did what God called her to do, teach him how to read. Obedience 
shows our love for Christ and when we share Him with others so they will know His love and they can love Him back. And that relationship got built and God has done great things in His life. Whenever we talk to people who know about God but may not be living for Him, they'll almost always excuse their life by using the phrase, but I love Jesus. And what they're really saying is, I like the idea of Jesus. But they really don't know who Jesus is. And according to the word of God, let's just be honest, talk is cheap. And it's very clear what loving God means. When we truly understand how much God loves us, we can't help but love him back. And these three ways of loving God, deepening our relationship with him, and helping us grow into the people God intends for us to be. So my question to you today, just like the question I have for myself today is, do you love him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We ask you to cause it to penetrate our hearts, to change us from the inside out, to make us who you've called us to be. God, help us to do two things today if we haven't done anything else. Help us to understand how much you truly, really love us. And help us to understand that loving you just means obeying you from a heart that is full of love for you. In Jesus' name, every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. I just want to take a moment and ask you a question. Do you know him? Not know about him, but do you have a relationship with him? There's a big difference. Or maybe you're a person who's had a relationship with God, but right now you're doing your own thing, you're going your own way, and you need to rededicate your life to God. You need to get back in that place of loving God again I just want you to know that God loves you more than you could possibly imagine and I want to encourage you today that if you want to make this decision to follow Christ and experience his love and this loving relationship that you can have back and forth with him I just want you to do something very modern because this is the way we have to do things now I want you to text next one next one the word next and the number one all one word to this number 94090 and I want you to communicate that you want to make a decision to follow Christ and a pastor or leader will follow up with you and help you along your spiritual journey thank you so much for being a part today and I know God's going to do great things in your life he loves you and now we know how to love him I just can't help but fall in love with him amen God bless you Hey church, come on, let's thank God for today's message. What an amazing message from Pastor David. Man, I am loving this series. Now, if you made a decision today to follow Jesus Christ, maybe it was for the first time, or maybe you've, you've stepped away from Christ and you've made a decision to come back to Him, we want you to know that we're so proud of you and we are so excited for you. Man, it is a big deal. Now, we want to help you along this journey. Listen, God never meant for us to do this alone. So would you let us know about this decision that you've made? Here, it's what we like to call your next step. So your next step is just letting us know so that we can help you along this journey. If you made a decision for Christ, we're asking that you would text NEXT1 to 94090. So you can just get your phone right now, text 94090, text NEXT1 to that number. And, and a pastor or a staff member will follow up with you We'll reach out to you and we just want to partner alongside you 
on this journey. It's going to be great. Come on, just wherever you're at, let's celebrate the decisions that were made for Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that all of heaven celebrates when one comes to know Jesus. It is a good, good day. Now, I just want to share with you a few things going on, just a few announcements, just so you can be in the know of what's taking place here at Summit Church. 21 days of prayer is going on. We're, we're about a, a week into that. And listen, we want, to, we want to help you establish a healthy life of prayer. And we want to come together in unity so you can pray with us every morning on Facebook. Just go to our Facebook page at 7 a.m. and we can pray together. And also, small groups have kicked off. Man, we have already had great reports from some amazing small groups. There's a full list of our small groups on our website. I want to encourage you to get plugged in to a small group. I promise you, there is a small group for you. So just take some time, go to our website, and check out the small groups that we have uh, coming up. One of those small groups is actually our 2030 group. Our 2030 group, was they were meeting on Sunday night here at the church but it's shifted to a small group. So if you're part of the 2030 group or you'd like to invite someone out, look for that small group. It's going to be starting next Sunday, January the 21st. So make sure that you're there. Also in March, we have something that we're so excited about. Really, this is Pastor David's heart and that's School of the Bible. So School of the Bible is going to be let's, let's say Sunday school on steroids because it's going to be us digging into the Word and just going through the Word by Scripture, and it is gonna, it's going to be so great. So make sure you're watching for that coming soon. Listen, really, anything you want to do, any way that you want to get involved with, maybe serving on a team or going through our Summit Next that lets you know who we are and how you get involved, listen, the way you can do all of that is just text NEXT1 to 94090. You, if you need anything, honestly, you can text that number, text NEXT1 to 94090, and we'll be able to get you connected. And then also, I don't, I don't want you to forget, because this isn't just an announcement. This is something we are doing. This is something, this is who we are. It's our Spread the Joy campaign. Spread the Joy campaign's going on uh, this whole year. You're, you're hearing great testimony of it, and we want to make sure that we're letting people know about it. So... You can actually uh, get a Spread the Joy t-shirt. You can wear that around. Uh, you can go to our website and you can and go on there and they're for sale on there. So grab one of those. Also make sure you grab your, your car sticker for Spread the Joy. And let's make sure that we are spreading the joy together. Hey, that's it. Thank you for being such a great part. Happy Valentine's Day. And uh, hey, we'll see you next week. Hey, today I want to encourage you to be a giver. You know, God is so good to give to us, and we've been talking about His love for us, and His love is always expressed in His generosity. And you know, it's the same for us. When we are followers of Christ, we want to do exactly that. We want to express our love, and when we express our love, it is expressed through generosity because it's just serving others with our time, our talent, and our treasure, our money. So when we give to God, we're literally, it's an act of love, not just an act of duty. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says this, says each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver so I want to encourage you today don't just do your giving because you're under compulsion to do it or somebody's pressuring to do it or you feel that way about it and don't just do your giving uh, reluctantly I have to give because it's church we, th these listen motives matter 
And it's important that we do things the way God has intended because it'll bring joy and peace and prosperity and love to your life. So I want to encourage you today, be that cheerful, glad to do it, step in forward, generous giver that's saying, I'm not just doing this out of duty, God. I am giving to you because I love you. And just like you so loved our world that you gave, I so much love you that I'm giving back to you. So that's how we should give today. And I want to encourage you to do it safe, simple, and secure right here at Summit. And uh, there, there, you can see the ways to give. And I would encourage you, don't step back. Don't be a person who's not investing in their spiritual life. Be that person who steps in. Amen. God bless you. Hey, before we go today, I just want to take the opportunity to speak a blessing over you. We just hold out your hands and I want to just give you a blessing from your pastor today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his countenance toward you and give you peace in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Now, go spread the joy. God bless you. See you next week.